Submission sometimes can be a, 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 a word that is misunderstood in the body of Christ. Uh, the Bible is clear is that we are, we are different and God made us that way. And so, you know, it's like ask a woman to describe the perfect man. The husband is the spiritual head. He should be leading spiritually. And we were talking about that last week, how sometimes we uh, compromise ourselves and we just go, you know, we're tired of waiting on God. Amen. So I'm starting first today. Fair is fair. Supernatural marriage. We're, we're on, uh, so part, second week. Last week we did supernatural singles. Were you blessed last week? Did you learn something? Doesn't sound like it. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're very excited to do this, and it's not because we're the most qualified. I'm sure there's people in the room that have been married longer and probably may even have better marriages than us, but we're just here because we just want to help. We've learned quite a few things along the journey of almost 23 years. So in two years, we'll be, it'll be our silver wedding. That's kind of scary. <laughs> Um, but anyway, we just want to uh, invite the Lord into this teaching this morning. And if you have any questions, uh, we hopefully will have uh, some time at the end. So if you want to, if you're online or even if you're here in the room, you can just uh, put it on the chat. Or if you go onto our Facebook or All Nations Facebook or Instagram story, uh, you can put it in questions in there also. So uh, hopefully we'll leave a few minutes at the end. Uh, to answer some questions, but maybe some of it will be covered this morning already in, in the teaching. So, uh, so, supernatural marriage, and I think I love the title, Supernatural, because we're not natural people, we are supernatural people. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think or imagine. So that is a supernatural thing that we can do because Christ is in us. Hallelujah. Supernatural marriage, not super weird. Some Christians are just super weird, okay? And, and I think it's important before we go any further to just say that. I mean, some Christians end up turning off other people from Christianity because they're just so weird. And, uh, you know, we don't have to be weird. We're not, you, you know, we can be supernatural in, in a good way. And, um, you know, like I said, we, we've seen all sorts of marriages down through the years. And uh, sometimes Christians can get pretty weird about things, you know, and, uh, you know, the guy staying home all day. And well, we're just praying God will meet our needs. Well, get off your butt and get a job. You know, that's a good start. Um, anyway, I don't mean to butt we will, in. We will use that one as a quote during, uh, on, face, on our social media. Get off your butt. <laughs> Sorry, that's funny. Okay. Uh, okay. So I think it's really powerful in the Bible that the marriage relationship is likened to the marriage between Jesus Christ and the church. Isn't that beautiful to think? That is the relationship that's, it, it's, it's, it's such a powerful union that is likened to that. So I think it would be really appropriate for us to turn to Ephesians 5. Hopefully you all have your Bibles, if not on the screen. And, and it just talks about this union. It's a supernatural union. And we'll start with uh, verse 22. So Ephesians 5, verse 22. Are you all there? Yeah? Okay, great. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Amen. Amen. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ 
if we could just shut the door of the translation room, thank you. As also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Isn't that interesting? He says, their own husbands. <laughs> Why did that even have to be put there? But you submit to your own husband. And we've been doing uh, the premarital course with couples over the last probably about maybe a year and a half. We've just gone from one couple to another couple. It's been amazing. But it's really made us think about... You know, you can get into autopilot in your relationship with your husband or wife after 20-something years. You just do things out of habit, just the way you just respond, you know, just out of, out of just habit. And so there's certain things that we need to look at and, and put the, shine the mirror on our own lives, not on our husband or our wife's lives, you know, on you. If you're married as a wife, on you. If you, husband, on you. And because when you're single, there's a lot of blind spots in your life. You don't see things about yourself because you're used to living on your own and doing things your own way and you have your own schedule, your own routine. But when you marry somebody, you have to learn to adapt and to change and to be flexible. And it can be, in the first year of marriage, it can actually be quite uh, challenging because you're starting to learn things and see things about your, your husband or wife that you maybe didn't know before, little quirky habits they had. I'm not, I'm not pointing any fingers. We're just being general here this morning. I learned my lesson from last week <laughs> and what I meant to say last week was have more realistic expectations not lower your expectations okay so that just to clarify uh, okay so what was I saying well I got to sidetrack there yeah about the about the husband and wife there's certain things we learn about them and so we have to ask the Holy Spirit to help us on this journey of synchronizing our life with our husband or wife and when God is the center of your marriage, that synchronization becomes a lot smoother. And that's where we have to just realize it's by the grace of God, it's by the power of God, it's not in our own strength. And the mistake that we make as, as, as married people is that we want to change our husband. We want to change our wife. He, uh, there's things in Pastor John that maybe when I first got married, I wanted to change, but he still is the same. It hasn't changed because there's some things fundamental to his personality and his way of living that will never change. And so who am I to say? And, he, and the same with him, vice versa. There's things he said, oh, you know, I wish Joanna would get up early in the morning and, and pray. I just do it later in the day. He likes to get up early in the morning and pray. And it's, it hasn't, it's just the way we're made up, the way we do things. And so the biggest mistake you can do is, and I've heard Joyce Meyer say this before, is the mistake of trying to change your partner, trying to make them into the person you want them to be. Listen, God created them the way he created them for a reason. And it's often to buffer you and to, to, to you know, as it says in, in Proverbs, as iron sharpens our iron, we sharpen one another. So it's to sharpen us and to keep us sharp and, 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 you know, get us somewhere, Go, get somewhere in, in our lives together. It's our destiny. So submission sometimes can be a, 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 a word that is misunderstood in the body of Christ. If you break that word into two parts, it's submission. It means you're under the mission. The two of you are under the mission of marriage together here on earth. It's not you, domination, 
or manipulation or control or any of those things. So if you have, some men have, have taken this to an extreme, some women have taken to an extreme about domination. It's not, it's not, submit to me or else. It's not that. So we're under the mission together. It's mutual. And when we understand that, it makes life a lot easier. Um, marriage is a lifelong commitment, covenant, ordained by God, where two lives that are, are incomplete, and I don't mean that in, I'm just saying, when you, two incomplete lives form a whole, they become complete. The two become one, and it talks about that in the Bible, about being one flesh, so that where one person lacks the other person makes up for it. So don't be freaked out and say, oh, you know, I'm so organized. He, or he, she, well, let's, let's flip this. You know, he's so organized, I'm so disorganized, just so in case it looks like we're, we're, we're putting, talking about our own relationship, because that's not the case. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> you know, and say, oh my goodness, he's not as organized as me, or she's not as organized as me. How are we going to function together? Perfectly, because you are doing, you're, you're helping him, or she's helping you. You are helping one to the other so when he's lacking or she's lacking in an area you are you are forming a whole and so our differences are not to be criticized they're to be celebrated because God knows what he's doing when he's bringing two imperfect individuals two completely different genders two completely different personalities sometimes cultures languages together and they are going to do life together he knows what he's doing so our marriages are designed to be lights in this dark world. They are, the world should look at our marriages and say, hey, they've got something different. What, what is it? Why, can I, I want my marriage to be like that. That's exactly what God wants. Ephesians 5, 8, just before we go into the scripture about the submission and the, and the marriage relationship, it says, for you once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So in our marriages, we need to be lights. We need to walk as children children of light, there shouldn't be any darkness in our marriage. So if, if we don't get it right, who, who will? God has chosen us to be ambassadors for him. We have ambassadors in the room this morning, Lesotho. You are, uh, um, you're representing your nation. We are representing the kingdom of God. Amen. And so our marriages are to be a demonstration of the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you want to say something, Pastor John? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a roll here. <laughs> Well, you know, it's, it's funny that um, somebody once said, you know, that a woman spends 15 years of her life trying to change her husband, and then at the end, she has the audacity to say, he's not the man I married, <laughs> you know. And, um, you know, this is, the, I, I, this is the beauty of marriage, is that, you know, we, we are different. But, you know, the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 7, we are heirs together of the grace of life. And so, you know, it is a team effort, and... You know, we, we do believe that the, the husband is the head of the wife. It doesn't mean that men are the head of women. I think it's important to understand God made us equal but different. Um, you know, our generation has decided to, to you know, reject, you know, this, this understanding this, that was implicit in society for thousands of years that men and women have different gifts and abilities and strengths. And um, consequently, as a result of that, we're seeing a lot of women's sport being decimated by, you know, introducing men biological men to sport but you know uh, the bible is clear is that we are we are different and god made us that way and so uh, you know it's like ask a woman to describe the perfect man well he wants to go for long walks and he likes shopping just to look not to buy he likes 
herbal tea and talking about his feelings. He, he loves to watch romantic movies and he's not afraid to cry. I asked you to describe a perfect man, not another woman. Uh, you know, but, but you know, oh, he has to be tall, dark, and handsome. Well, you know, we get about five sunny days a year here in this country. And, you know, you're saying he has to be six foot four and, you know, you're four foot six. I'm just saying, you know, sometimes you have to be more realistic. But, but you know, this is the thing uh, uh, about marriage. Anybody who's been married for any length of time, um, you know, realizes that, uh, you know, at times we can have unrealistic expectations. And, and so after a, a, a while, after, after quite a short while, a lot of those, uh, you know, balloons get popped. And, um, and so we have to, you know, face reality and, and, and recognize that, that your, your, your spouse isn't perfect, but neither are you. And so in a way, marriage is challenging because it holds a big mirror up to your face. And, and many of us, when we get married, suddenly see things about us that we've never seen before um, because our spouse um, uh, lets us know. And um, so, anyway, Genesis um, uh, uh, chapter 2, um, uh, uh, did you want to continue dealing with uh, Ephesians? We going to okay, we're going to go through a bit more of it. So, but, you know, Genesis uh, 2, 24, it talks about, um, you know, how God created marriage. And I think it's important to understand the, the, the purpose and meaning of marriage. And... Um, it said, therefore man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they two shall become one flesh. Again, uh, Jesus quotes this in Mark chapter 10, verse 7. And so it's, you know, at a time where we're seeing many denominations going down the rabbit hole of, of embracing, you know, same-sex marriage, embracing uh, transgenderism. I saw this morning on one Christian site where one church was having a, a, a drag show for, for, for teenage kids. And um, so at a time where much of the church is embracing things that are utterly unbiblical, unbiological, and, um, you, you know, uh, I think it's important for us to stick with what God's word says. Jesus quoted marriage. Uh, he, he quoted this verse, um, which clearly states that marriage is one man, one woman. Um, and, and so that's what the Bible says, and the Bible doesn't change. And the Bible says as well in Malachi 4, I, the Lord, do not change. So God's not going to redefine anything in relation to this whole area. So, um, you know, he's in the beginning, it says in uh, Genesis chapter... Um, thank you, Jesus. Uh, then God said, let us make man our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so I think it is important to make that distinction at the start of this, as we're talking about marriage, is, is to understand, you know, uh, God created marriage in the context of one man, one woman. And, um, uh, you know, in the same way, God hasn't changed. In the beginning, he made them male and female, and he is still making them male or female. And uh, it, there's no amount of drugs or, or medical, um, it, you know, uh, operations that can change that uh, biological reality, okay? And, and so people may 
get mad at you, but God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't put men into women's bodies or women into men's bodies. And, and, and so, you know, when we're talking about marriage, like I said, he defines it as one man, one woman, because, you see, we're living in, in a day where, where there are those who are seeking to redefine what God has created. And as the author of marriage, he's the only one who gets to define what marriage is. And um, Isaiah 5 and 20 uh, says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So, you know, there are those who are seeking to define what God created as holy and good into something else. And it's, it's just as ridiculous as a man with a spray can deciding that he can somehow improve, a, 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 you know, a Van Gogh or some other work of art um, we must understand that marriage is God's masterpiece. And, um, you know, uh, so I, I think it'd be good to start reading through Ephesians 5 because Ephesians 5 really does deal in a very thorough way with marriage um, and, and draws a lot of boundaries for us um, in marriage. And so it, it starts with um, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Like Pastor Joanna said, some people have taken a submission out of context and used it as an excuse um, to justify abuse or to justify domination or to justify, um, you know, demanding that their spouse submit to something that is sinful. And, you know, none of that is, is, is correct or right. And so um, I, I think it'd be good to read through Ephesians 5 from Amen. verse That's 22. what I was going to do. Praise the Lord. <laughs> So verse 24, therefore, just as Christ is subject, sorry, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, verse 25, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So submission, and it, bring, it goes on to talking about love. So it's a loving submission. Amen. And that love isn't just a wishy-washy, artificial, superficial love that the world has. It's the agape love of God, which is in the Greek is the unconditional love of God. That love in Romans 5, verse 5, it says, has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So that love is there on the inside of us. It's, it's particularly designed for our marriage relationship. And so it talks about that for the reason that love is there is that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So this is again the, the relationship between uh, of the church and the, the body of Christ and Christ himself. So it's a very sacred thing. It's a very holy thing. And that's why you know, messing around before marriage, you're in, an, in a zone, you're in a danger zone there because you are not realizing that you are not in covenant yet. You're, that covenant is not for you yet because that covenant only is for marriage between man and woman, as we said. So, so loving your husbands, loving your wives is a key to walking in submission. Who will not submit to somebody who is loving? Amen. And, and th listen, that's not an excuse to say, if my husband doesn't love me, I'm not going to submit. You still, have to <laughs> you still have to walk in love towards one another. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where it's harder. But, you know, we've been told we have that love in our hearts for one another. So verse 27, it says, well, let's go back again. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself as a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, 
or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. And listen, so that means, husband, you need to be doing, you need to be in the word. You need to be uh, studying the word for yourself, but you need to be doing it with your wife. You know, your, your husband and wives need to be doing that together. Just get into the word of God, praying together, seeking God together. It's not like he has his own relationship with the Lord. I have my own relationship with the Lord. No, you have one, you have that too, but you have it together as well. And so don't neglect that time together, praying together, you know, worshiping together, studying the word together. But the husband is the spiritual head. He should be leading spiritually. And we were talking about that last week, how sometimes we uh, compromise ourselves and we just go, you know, we're tired of waiting on God and we just, we just take any old woman, any old man, I don't mean any old, you know, but I mean, I'm saying we don't, we take somebody that, that really doesn't have that heart for God, that doesn't put God first in the relationship. And then we wonder why it isn't working. It will work when God is first in their life and God is first in your life. When you come together, there's a power. There's such a a powerful union. And that covenant is before God himself almighty. And he blesses it. Just as he blessed Abraham and Isaac through covenant, he will bless your marriage also through covenant. So love is very important. It goes on, uh, verse 28, it says, Husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So you must love yourself first before you can love your your husband or your wife. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. Again, covenant. I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. We'll go on to that in a minute. But there's a lot of talk in those passages there about love. So that that is important, that loving your husband, loving your wife, no matter Love never fails. How do this is there's a I know people are saying, well, well, maybe my husband I got saved after we got married. My husband isn't isn't saved or or my wife isn't saved. How can I love her that way if she or he isn't saved? Yes, you can, because that love has been given to you. And it's more powerfully evident when you do operate in love when they're acting a, a pain in the neck or they're you know that they're they're being critical of you or they're they're not treating you well. well. We'll go on and talk a bit about that further on. But, you know, sometimes people are, you know, in the Bible it talks about people who are being persecuted. But when we show that love of God, that, that will change the heart of any, doesn't matter how hardened a person's heart is. If you will continually make a decision to walk in that love, to walk in the fruits of the spirit that God has given you in Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, and self-control. That's a big one. When we operate in those towards a person that maybe isn't reciprocating that to us, listen, it will, it will not fail. Love never fails. Read 1 Corinthians 13. You can have all the gifts in the world. You can prophesy. You can preach up a storm. But if you don't have that love in your heart towards your husband or your wife, that that love of God, then what does it mean? As I said earlier, our lives, our marriages are to be a light in the the darkness. Amen. Sorry, I just lost my sheet. Do you have anything you want to say? Yeah. Great. Go ahead. It's kind of hard because we don't know what each one of us is prepared because we didn't compare notes. So no. it's like, okay, 
We are synchronizing ourselves here. We're flowing it's together so in the spirit. Funny why we don't talk anymore. We do talk. It's just we had a very busy week. We had renovations. We had Tyler's. And then our dear friend, Pastor Sergio, passed away. And so we were at, you know, yeah, Pastor John was doing Pastor the funeral. Sergio so it was a very hectic funeral. week. But um, praise God, we, we, um, by the grace of God, we, we were able to prepare something. <laughs> Amen. Well, um, you know, it says here in uh, verse 28, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And uh, how, do you, how do you love your body? Well, um, you feed it. Uh, you get rest when you're tired. Um, you know, you, I've been doing an awful lot of work around the house with the last five or six months. But, um, you know, at times, you know, I've got cut and, you know, it's got infected and it's been sore. And, you know, I've taken care of that finger or wherever, you know, because you don't want to lose it. Um, and... Uh, and, and it's got better. And, and, you know, the Bible says in the same way as, as husbands, we're to love our wives. We're, same way as we love our body, we're to care for her. We're to, you know, like I said, I still open the door for my wife. Unless we've got the five kids and then it's a bit chaotic. But, you know, uh, you, you know I do my best to look after her. And, you know, if she's asleep in the morning and I've, I, I just try and be quiet. And, you know, I, I, you know, I want to honor her. I want to be intentional in, in honoring her and loving her. And um, I, I think that's important because sometimes... You know, as men, let's be honest, we do all the right things when we're single. It comes instinctively to us. But we get married and, you know, suddenly we're cutting our toenails on the bed and just walking away. You know, leaving our socks. All. I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about you. Um, um, you know, just leaving a mess behind you, you know, and the assumption that she'll clean it up or um, theoretically. Um, but you know, it's what so amazes important. me is that the, the laundry, the dirty clothes, this is just to my husband, but it's, it's all the children, that it always ends up, the laundry basket is here, but it always ends up just about a few centimeters from the laundry basket, how it doesn't actually end up in the laundry basket. That's just an observation. It's because you're in a hurry and you're throwing things. You know? <laughs> but, but the Bible says, you know, love your, your wife as, as you love your body. Amen. And so... This is important for us as men to, to, to get this. Um, verse 25, husbands, love your wives. Okay? Um, thank you, Jesus. So it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Well, it's not difficult for us to submit to Christ as the head of the church because we know he has our best interests at heart. We know he laid down his life for us. We know that he, he served us. He, he, he loved us as he hung on that cross. He cried out, forgive them, Father. And so in the same way, if a husband is loving his wife the way Christ loved the church, she will have no problem submitting to that man uh, because she knows that he has her best interests at heart. He would never hurt her, manipulate her. And so uh, as men, it's important for us to un understand the distinction between love and lust. They're, they're completely uh, different. And yet too many times, uh, you know, as men, uh, you know, because uh, lust desires to take whereas love desires to give. And, and so this is why the Bible emphasizes loving your wife. So loving your wife means that you're not focused on what's wrong with her. You're focused on what's wrong with you. Okay? Because you can only fix you by God's yeah, grace. Right. And you allow God to deal with her. And she stops 
messing with you and she starts dealing with her stuff. And so, but anyway, it says, love your wife. And again, it repeats it. Verse 28, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. Um, verse uh, 33, again, it finishes and it reemphasizes, nevertheless, let each of you in particular so love his wife as himself and let the wife see she respects her husband. So, um, you know, four times in that passage, God says, husbands, love your wives. It also adds on, wives, respect your husbands. That means, you know, that you don't make him the butt of your jokes. You don't, um, it, it, you know, <laughs> you know, as, as one lady we were, will remain nameless, she says, well, you know, I am a bit mouthy. Okay, so it's, it's learning to rein that in. Not everything that comes into your head needs to be expressed in words. Amen? Ask yourself the question, and you know, men and women, do I really need to say this? Is this going to be helpful, or is this just throwing petrol on the fire? Um, some of you ladies need to get over the desire to always have the last word, you know? Um, <laughs> So I'm great at the last word. He says, you are amazing at always having the last she'll, word. She'll always come up with something, you know. Um, and quick as well. She's very quick. quick. It's so annoying. I'm like trying to think of something. And she's just like, you know, so when it comes to arguments, you know, she would generally win. But, you know, we've thankfully we've matured, uh, you, you know, beyond a lot of that. But it's so, when you're walking in love, listen, when you're walking in love, you'll be amazed at how many times you'll avoid arguments, you'll avoid strife, you'll avoid bickering, simply because, uh, you know, when you're walking in love, you're not going to be taking offense. I can't believe he said that. I can't believe he didn't do that. I can't believe he didn't see that. Well, you'd be amazed, you know, you ladies, when you get married. I mean, just how men are not on the same wavelength. There's so many times we don't understand you. That's why First Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, dwell with your wives with understanding giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So the Bible tells us as men, make an effort to understand her. Now, at times, even God doesn't understand her, but you have to try. She doesn't even understand herself, but you have to try. I mean, that's, that, that is our, our cross to bear. Um, uh, uh, you know, but uh, all jokes aside, it, you know, we have to be trying to understand each other, amen? And so... Um, you know, understanding is an effort. But again, as I said earlier, marriage is God's masterpiece. Yes. It is, a, you know, it's God's gift to mankind. And, and this is why you will see even unsaved people who will have happy marriages where they're married 40, 50 years. Why? Because it's the one thing that came from, it's the one thing we were allowed to bring from the Garden of Eden. Amen. Everything else was lost. But marriage is that one connection we have with the Garden of Eden, with that perfection and that's why there, there's something about marriage that if you're, if you're doing it right, you can have heaven on earth. If you're doing it wrong, you're going to have hell on earth. Okay, so the choice is yours. And this is why it's important that marriage, it is a blessing, not a burden. Yes. And if it is, you're not doing it right. Yes. Because sometimes we have people, oh, pastor, pastor, marriage is so hard. Oh, it's so hard, pastor. I'm like, I... I, I you know, you're not doing it right then. It's not meant to be this big burden. I think a really good book to recommend is The Five Love Languages. Has anybody read that book by Gary Chapman? Hands up. Just give us a wave. Yeah. So that helps you understand where your husband or wife is coming from because we tend to give what we love ourselves. You know, it's like... Um, 
I, in the beginning of our marriage, I would get, give a car, to, a car to Pastor John and he would be looking in the car going, is there something in the car? He'd be shaking it, you know. <laughs> but I would be looking for the empty card with the meaningful message. And so I used to get very offended if he didn't give me a birthday card. Well, not, I won't say birthday. He would, Valentine's card, Mother's Day card, you know, just any... Christmas card. Just general oh card, God, just, for, just because it's a, you know, just general card. I love you. Martin Luther King <laughs> Jr. Day. <laughs> So I, I, was giving, I was giving him things that he didn't want and he wasn't giving me what I wanted. And so there are certain things that you learn that there's, two or th that there's five love languages and I can't remember them all now, but there's affirmation, there's, there's acts of service, there's a touch, there's, what, what's the other ones? Money. Gifts, oh, sorry, gifts, gifts, money, gifts, yeah. Uh, is there another one? There's five. Quality time, oh yes, so for me a big one is quality time and acts, I do acts of service. Very impressive, Marcus. Yes, very impressive, Marcus, very well done. Sensitive man right there, <laughs> ladies. A sensitive single man behind the camera. Oh, he's going to get you after the service. Um, so yes, acts, acts of kindness, uh, to, to serve as service and um, quality time for me would be top on my list where on his, on his list, it was completely different. So if you're giving somebody something that you want yourself, it's like a gift. You give some, at Christmas, you buy somebody a gift because you like that gift, but they don't necessarily like that gift. But that's the way it is sometimes in marriage. So we need to tune into what they like. So if I know, for example, he likes gifts. Okay, so I'll do my best whenever I can afford it to buy him something, give him a, give him a gift. He'll do his best to give me that card. And so we're kind of learning to- I like hugs. And hugs, yes, he loves hugs. Particularly when I'm busy making the dinner, he's like, give me a hug. I'm like, I'm Sometimes trying to it's like dinner. trying to hug a tree. Telephone pole. Just like, yeah. just getting nothing back there, you know? When I'm trying to get the know? dinner made, you know? So, it's like, I'm busy. I have to do five things. <laughs> trying to multitask and he's asking me for a hug. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, stop and give the hug because that's what he needs, okay? So find out what, what your husband needs and give it to him. Um, so that's really, that's a really... That will just save a, like 50% of, of all problems in your marriage is just reading that book and, and implementing it, of course. Um, so I just wanted to talk about, uh, where we were talking about love. Actually, yes, um, P Pastor Carter Conlon said something that really jumped out at me the other night there at the Summerfire uh, Conference. He said, we are not called to be an argument but a demonstration. You know, sometimes we think as Christians, you know, we have to prove our point or we have to you know, we have to share, we have to share the gospel. We have to share the gospel, you know, but sometimes our lives should be shining out and sharing the gospel. I love it when people come and, and they say, there's something different about you. What is it? Rather than me, ah, oh, you know, just let me preach to you. Some people don't want to be preached at, but they want to, they want to see Christ in you. And it's funny because my mom was just telling me, and this is not, this is just an example of it, I go, I go to an osteopath because I've been having issues with my back since the car accident and the lady who works there, the, the boss over her is a Christian and um, she, I don't know if she's a Christian herself, but my, my mum goes to the same practice and he, she, uh, the, the man had said to my mum, my osteopath had said, there's just something, there's just something about Joanna, there's just a light in her, there's just something and I thought, and I, I, and I love when I hear that because it's nothing to do with me. I believe it's, the, it's Jesus. Jesus in you, the hope of glory. Jesus shining out from you. And so 
you know, sometimes we have to just stop thinking about trying to fix people and trying to speak at them and wives nag at the husband. Look, just let your life be a gospel in itself. You know, let it, let your actions display the love of Christ. And that's, that's not always easy, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, you can do it. John 13, 34, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. How did he love us? He, he died on the cross for us. He hung there on that cross for us. A, an act of surrender of his life for us. And he's asking us to have that same love for one another and for our husbands and wives. He said, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? So our lives are a living testimony of Jesus. Jesus in us, the hope of glory. And so confrontation, sometimes we don't need to confront. Sometimes we just need to go into our bedroom and just pray and say, God, I give this to you, Holy Spirit. You know, if, if it's an intense time and you're under a lot of pressure, maybe financially, you've got young kids, teenagers, you've got a lot of stuff going on in your life. Sometimes your, your emotions and you can be a bit ratty, you're not getting enough sleep. You can start taking it out on your husband or wife. So we need to be conscious of that. But praying for a husband, praying for a wife, praying for our kids will do a lot of that, the groundwork. And it, it'll, it'll avoid a lot of different uh, problems further down the road. In 1 Peter 3, verse 1 and 2, this is again is talking about submission. But just, just, it's just interesting, particularly for people whose maybe a husband or a wife isn't on the same wavelength as you. It says, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word... They, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. And it goes on to talk about the hidden person of the heart. So, so let's work on our hearts. Let's do the groundwork on our hearts. And that will change our spouse. I mean, my, my father was an atheist. He was, he was a wonderful man. He provided for us as children. He, he was, his love language was giving and, 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 you know, he couldn't, he found it hard to express his love to us as children, but his way of showing his love was by giving us things, providing for us, giving us an education. The home we're in now, it wouldn't be there if it, if it weren't for my, for my dad, his, his provision. And so, you know, he wasn't walking with God and he could sometimes be quite difficult. He was quiet. He didn't talk much. But I, over the years, and he was, I didn't grow up with him there all the time. He left when I was a teenager, when I was 13. But over the years, as I became more connected with the Lord and more understanding of God, I, I started to see things in it from a different perspective. I, I stopped judging him and saying, oh, why, why is he so quiet? Why doesn't he talk? Why doesn't he tell me he loves me? Why doesn't he have interest in, you know, in my life and so on? Um, and the Lord showed me that I had to, it was my part, my, 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 uh, my thing was I was to walk in love towards him and show him love and speak words of life and speak words of affirmation and, and love towards him. And the first time I did it, I was sitting in a car and I'm, in, I'm talking like in my 20s, probably early 30s. And I'm telling him for the first time in my life that I loved him. And it just absolutely melted him. I mean, he didn't know what to say. And I know when I was saying that, the presence of God, we were in, sitting in a car, I was waiting to drop him off to a train. He was going back, flying back to Switzerland where he lived. And I felt the presence of God there in the car. And don't tell me you, he, he, tell me he didn't. He felt that, I know. And, and it, that just broke something in our relationship from then on. 
when he was on the phone, he chatted, he was asking me about things, you know, and, and I know he, at different times he would say to my mom, there's just something about Joanna, you know, and he, he never wanted to acknowledge it was God because he didn't believe in God at the time. Um, but it was like he was starting to see things. And I'm telling you, if anyone knew an atheist, he was it. He, he really was very entrenched in what he believed and he did not believe in God. He was a scientist and if you, got, if you talked to him about God he would get extremely agitated and worked up. But over the years, as you know, as my mom and my mom, you know, she really just loved him unconditionally. She prayed for him and I do believe he went to heaven when he died. But I'm just telling you, that is the awesome power of love. It's a force. Love is, is a force, a supernatural force in this universe. That force saved every one of us from going to hell. That death on the cross, that love was, was, was in, in 100% in action. And that took our sin and, and it put it on the, on the body of Jesus Christ. And it saved us from eternal damnation. So don't tell me that same love that is being shed abroad in our hearts cannot change the hardest of hearts. If you have a, a difficult husband or a difficult wife, it can't. Just let it flow out of you. Let it be a light. Let it just penetrate that person's heart and, and, and just shatter you know, it talks about in the Bible about having that heart of stone and, and he wants to give you a heart of flesh. But that love just chips away at that, that, that stone and eventually a heart of flesh is exposed. Amen. And, uh, you know, just, I suppose for some context, I did share the gospel with him. And, um, you know, love is intentional and, and love is deliberate. And it, obviously we model Christ, or we aspire to at least but it is important as well to share the gospel with yeah. people. And we believe in his final moments that he yeah. did cry out to the Lord. And, um, but, but, you know, with regards to, to, to bringing it back to marriage, yeah. um, your spouse is God's gift to you. And you need to see them yeah. like that. And so you need to see them through the lens of grace. Yeah. The same way as God sees you through the lens of, 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 of grace. Um, and, you know, the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And I, I believe it also infers that he who finds a husband finds a good thing. And so um, uh, this is why, you know, God didn't give you your spouse to punish you, but to bless you. They are God's gift to you. Um, but this is the thing. If you're single and you marry an unbeliever, uh, don't be dis surprised to discover that they act like their father, the devil, okay? Because ultimately, spiritually speaking, they are children of darkness, not of light. And, um, you know, Acts chapter 26 um, talks about this. And um, uh, Paul the Apostle is talking, and, um, and he said, <clears throat> who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But rise and stand to your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things you have seen and of that which I will reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among all those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. This is why we win souls. This is why we go with the gospel, is because we recognize that I, spiritually, 
you are either united uh, to God through Christ or you're united to Satan through your sin. And, um, and, and so this is why as a, a believer, you cannot marry an unbeliever. It, it just will not work, no matter how hard you try. Colossians 1.13. It says, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Mm-hmm. And this is why if you're single, wait on God. Pray. Ask God to lead you. Choose wisely uh, because he who made them matched them. Amen. So he has the right one for you. He's the right person. So let it be somebody who leads you to, to God and not somebody who leads you into sin. And, and, and that is very important mm-hmm. because, you know, Genesis chapter 2 talks about how God brought all the animals to Adam and he named them. And so, you know, for weeks or maybe for months or possibly even for years, all of these animals were coming to God two by two by two by two till eventually Adam got the revelation that, you know, that two are better than one. Yeah. Amen. Just as it says in the book of Ecclesiastes. And I'd like to read that in the New Living Version because I think it's very relevant um, to marriage. Because, you know, the book of Amos 3, 3 says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? And so you, cannot, you can never be in agreement with somebody who's, uh, if you're on your way to heaven and they're on their way to hell. You, you, you know, if, if you don't uh, part in this life, you're going to part in the next one. Um, and, and so this is important for us. Um, uh, you know, to, to, um, to grasp. Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 9 in the New Living, it says, two are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If, if one person um, falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep <coughs> each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken, and that third person is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The third person is the Spirit of God that is, uh, you know, in your marriage. And so it says two are better than one because it says you can help each other succeed. Um, And I love that it says uh, someone who falls alone is in real trouble. And it says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And so it's so important in marriage that you have your wife's back and that your wife has your back. That's how God ordained it. That's how God designed it. Amen. Is that, you know, two are better than one. And so we weren't meant to be alone. You know, Bible says in Hebrews 13 and 3, Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. And so, again, whether you're single or whether you're married, um, God will judge uh, sexual immorality in your life. If you don't judge yourself, God will judge you. Thank you for that one. Amen. 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 That's important because the Bible says marriage is honorable. And let me say this. As a society, we have completely lost our, our sense of reverence and appreciation um, for the, the, the sacrament of marriage. Marriage is a covenant. And just because everyone and their uncle is living together does not mean that God will bless you yeah. doing it. And particularly for you who have knowledge as a believer, yes. to do so willfully and intentionally, you're defying God. And like God said to, to Saul, it's not good for you to kick against the pricks. Yeah. It's, it's not good for us to defy God when we know what his word says. 
and we refuse to walk in the light of that word. And I, I mean, we just come across so many Christians that, that and you know, many, many of them just end up leaving the church because they just don't like what we say. But the, the, the reality is, you know, if you're living with somebody that you're not married to, you're living under a curse. That's it. Because uh, the marriage ultimately is about you coming before God, humbling God, humbling yourself before him, and doing things in his way. Because let's be honest, you can move in with somebody in, in an afternoon. I mean, it's, it's very easy. And you can move out just as quick. And that's part of the problem. That's why we have such an unstable society. And this is why we have so many children growing up without a father. Um, because as a society, we have devalued marriage. We have disrespected God's institution. And, and uh, let me say as a man, if, if you've been sleeping with your girlfriend, you need to repent before God because you have dishonored her and you've dishonored God and it's it's not something God will ever bless and your life will never go well if you refuse to do things God's way and man if we want to have God's blessing we have to do things God's way and that's why God's way is clearly ordained in Genesis chapter 2 for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother be joined to his wife that's matrimony that is the covenant of, of, of marriage and the two shall become one flesh. In case you don't understand, the one flesh is sex. So sex comes after marriage. That's God's way. And it's going to be God's way in a thousand years. It's going to be God's way in 10,000 years if we're still here. That's God's way. And so we must understand that. And, and so when we choose to do things a way other than what God has done, it's like, you know, uh, David putting uh, the, the, the ark of God on the cart. It was a good idea. But you know, good ideas will get you into trouble. Yeah. And Uzzah reached out to, to touch the ark to stop it from falling off. He was trying to do a good thing. He thought he was doing the right thing. But you know, God struck him down. Why? Because they didn't do things in God's order. The ark was meant to be carried in a very uh, a specific way. God had outlined that in the word. The, the poles were to be put through the rings. They were to be carried by the priests. He put it on an ark. And that's what the church has done today with the whole area of marriage and sex is we have, you know, we have disrespected God. We have taken a holy thing. We've thrown it on a cart and we expect God to bless it. He's not going to bless it. Amen. Well, there's loads of really good questions have come in. And actually, um, a lot of them we've actually answered already. But we might look at a few there. <clears throat> um, so how do you keep a marriage on fire for Christ with increasing pressures of life, kids, ministries, and jobs? Well, I, I do think you're never going to get that 100% balance. There's, you're always going to be juggling things a bit in the air. But I think when you have a good uh, walk with the Lord, you know, your, yeah. your, your, your prayer life and your, you know, you're strong spiritually, that will help you. That will equip you to do that balancing that you need to do. Um, it, it, it takes tremendous discipline. It, it, it's a choice. You have a choice whether you're going to do it or not. Uh, but the, the, it will be rewarding in the end if you do. Um, the, the more pressure you have on your life, the more you should be probably in the Word and in prayer. I remember Heidi Baker saying that, you know, because the amazing miracles and the crusades and all the different churches that they started all over 
um, Africa, she said, I had to spend more time. She said, people were saying, but you need to spend that time doing it. She said, no, I need to spend more time in the face of God, more time seeking his face, because it's not that you're, you're, you close your room and you go and pray and you, your kids have to get their own dinner and all that. You know, I'm talking about in, in balance, you know, but, but just having that perspective. I mean, a lot of my prayer time for my kids, it's when I'm, I'm going somewhere in a car for maybe 40 minutes, I'll just pray in the spirit, I'll lift them up. Uh, you know, just making the most of your time. Use your time wisely. You know, we talked about the scrolling on the phones and the movies and all these different things. But if we want God's results in our marriage or in our families, we need to give him the time. We need to, and it, it does take discipline. I mean, we've had, a, the last five months have been extremely challenging because of all the work we've had to do, but we've had to, keep, you know, obviously continue ministering, doing the work at home, bringing our kids, you know, up, bringing them to school, doing all these different things. At, at times, it's been almost overwhelming. But when you give it to God, when you give the care to God, and you just let him, you know, just have your way in your life, and, and you know, you pray for your family, God will move. He will move. He's not going to move if you don't do anything. You have to do your part, and he will do his. But we have to do our part first. And so uh, keeping uh, marriage on fire as well for, for the Lord and for one another, you know, have your date nights make time for each other. Yeah. You know, when the kids are in bed in the evening, if they're younger, you know, make, make time to do something with your husband. And, um, you know, if they're older, it's, it's harder sometimes, but you can, when they're older, you can let them mind themselves and you can go out somewhere on a date or whatever. It doesn't have to be costly, just going for walks, spending time with each other. Communication, we didn't touch on this. There's just so much you can say about marriage, but communication is a really important part of understanding your husband and wife. Spending time talking to each other and, and tuning into them and not, you know, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, really focusing and, and listening to what they're saying. Communication is listening, talking and listening. You know, looking so, them in the eye. I think that's important. I, I personally, I think you should have uh, evenings where there's no phone or TV. Complete silence on that one. Um, there, there should, you know. And, um, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Giving your first, uh, I won't say hours, but, you, you know, giving the first part of the day to the Lord. Rising early to pray. Because, you know, if you're walking with God, that will, that will overflow. My cup overflows, David said. And that overflows into your marriage relationship. And... Um, so, um, how, how do we balance voices around our marriage, in-laws, friends, culture, social media, etc.? Well, again, the, the first voice, uh, you know, the, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, and I will look up. And so, you know, the, the, the first voice we should be hearing is the voice of God. And um, that, that's why, uh, you know, the, the, the Bible is our manual for marriage, not uh, sex in the city or, or modern family or whatever else you're watching. Okay, the Bible has to be our manual for marriage. And, um, and for so many Christians, it's not. Let's be honest. Mo many Christians don't read their Bible from one end of the week to the other. You need to be doing Bible studies with your kids. Praise the Lord. This is the right congregation to hear this. Then you need to be doing, you know, just read through a book of the Bible. Do a chapter a night, uh, you know, once or twice a week with your kids or with your wife. You know, study the word, pray together. It's so important. Because as you do, you will, you will insulate yourself to a degree. Um, because let's be honest, uh, much of what we call t entertainment today is utterly depraved. 
It's, it's, it's completely unbiblical and it's, it's, it will undermine your marriage if, you, if you're constantly feeding on that and that's the only information you're getting in. You know, there's a principle in computing. I remember as a kid when we were studying it, you know, rubbish in, rubbish out. And that's pretty much what a lot of believers get is because they're, you know, ingesting so much rubbish on, on social media, through TV, through all of the other means, etc. Um, you know, that's what they're, uh, you know, bringing back out in their marriage. The in-laws one, actually, that's, a, that's an important one to, as well to, to deal with. Well, in-laws are out um, when it comes to marriage. You love your in-laws, you, you can't choose your in-laws, that's it. You know, they are... We're what, blessed with our in-laws, very blessed. We are blessed, obviously, you know, I mean, but... Uh, I'm just saying, in-laws are out when it comes to marriage, and, and uh, because... If you and your wife are arguing and you decide to pull your family into it, you know, blood is thicker than water, invariably your family will side with you, you and your wife will make up with each other, and a couple of days later or a week later, you can't even remember it, but, you know, three years later, your family still remember, and they're holding a grudge against your spouse now because you were foolish enough to drag them into some issue that you should have sorted yourselves. And um, so, that, you know, certainly in-laws, it's, it's, you know, you love them, but it's important to keep a, a, you know, a certain distance from, from, from them with regards to any challenges that you may be having, okay? Because, you know, you and your wife, you and your husband, plus the Holy Spirit can solve this if you're humble enough to, to, to do so. Too many times it's pride that stops us from backing down. It's, it's pride that stops us from saying sorry, it's, it's pride that stops us from dealing with um, uh, some, some issue. And that's why if you'll humble yourself, it'll deal with a lot of issues. You know, pray and fast. Fasting deals with the flesh. Every one of you should be fasting regularly, even if it's only one meal a week. <laughs> Silence again. Jesus, you're making me work this morning. You should be fasting regularly because it deals with the flesh. And what you're doing is you're telling your flesh no. And, and some of you, your biggest problem is you never say no to your flesh. That's why you're addicted to porn. That's why you, you can't stop overeating or, you know, messing with whatever. Um, uh, so again, learn to deal with your flesh. That's a big plus because if you deal with that, then your, your marriage will be much happier as well. Yeah. Sometimes people drag friends into, if there's an issue, you're going, going through your husband and wife, you, you, you talk to your friends about it. Listen, you don't talk to your friends about it either. Like your friends will, will take, automatically take your side. You really need to go before the Lord. And if you can't, if, if it's really not working and you really can't get uh, the situation resolved, go to somebody that's a mentor, a spiritual mentor in your life, your pastor or a leader in the church, and get a bit of advice or counsel for them. And it is important sometimes to get godly counsel and advice, but, but just be prayerful about where you get it from because it, it will affect things, the outcome. There's, a, there's one there, um, any recommended uh, books uh, apart from the Bible for Christian marriage? Well, definitely the, the five love languages and uh, Bob Yandy and One Flesh, uh, Derek Prince, The Marriage Covenant, um, Ed Cole does quite a, uh, is it Ed Cole who does something yeah, about on marriage? Sex communication, and sex and money. Um, any other ones? Anyone else? Any shout out, any that have blessed you on marriage? Anyone else got any recommendations here? 
No? I think it's important to do, to do, to do that. It's, it's, it's great to read the Bible, but you also need to, I think it's good you can glean things from other people that have gone through things that, you know, that's why we find it, it's, it's so important to give the premarital counseling to people before you get married, because there's a lot of blind spots. We didn't have it when we got, when we got married, and, but we see the benefit it has on, when we do it with other people. They say, oh, I didn't realize that, I didn't know that. So similarly, you can read books that will give you a lot of... Um, uh, understanding of marriage uh, this, from a spiritual perspective, maybe ministers or men of God, women of God that, uh, you know, have good marriages. I mean, John and Lisa Bevere are, are hilarious because she's a real fiery lady and, and he's, you know, they're both very strong characters and they're not, they're, they're not quite about saying that they've had things in the past, they've had, uh, you know, serious arguments and different things, but how the Lord brought them through. And so listen to teachings on marriage. It's important. If you want to improve in an area and you want to become more skillful in an area, you need to invest your time on that particular topic. Just like if you need healing in your body, you go to for healing scriptures. Well, if you need breakthroughs in your marriage, go to the Word of God, what, Ephesians 5, 1 Peter, but also read books on marriage. You see, if you have a bad marriage, you need to take responsibility for your part. And a lot of times people act like it's, it's uh, you know, not my fault. But the reality is, if you have a bad, bad marriage, you have played a part in that. And, you know, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me say this, your marriage can be transformed, but it can only be transformed to the degree that your mind is transformed. And the only thing that can really transform your mind is the word of God. And this is why reading your Bible is important. And I would say to you, um, this is a generation that doesn't read. And this is part of our problem. And this is why we're seeing so much marriage breakup in a way, even within the church. Um, I, I would say this, you need to develop the habit of reading again. Some of you, like I said, uh, all of us to a degree struggle with this as a consequence of social media and you know the fact that you know you can end up scrolling on your phone mindlessly for for ages and and wasting a lot of time but I would encourage you you know for the last hour of your day at least the last hour of your day take a book go to bed and just read in bed read your bible read a book and turn the tv off no phone in your bedroom all right, a lot of you struggle with going to sleep at night. It's because you're watching a blue light for hours before you go to sleep, and your mind is too active. Whereas you'll find that reading will relax you, but it will also play a part in renewing your mind because it's only when you think differently that you can live differently. Okay, and so this is key to a transformed marriage, I believe, is God's word, meditating upon it, you know, reading good books, and, and by doing that, you're walking. You know, the thing I love about books is, is you're walking with these men and women of God. Some of them who are dead for hundreds of years, but they walked with God. And there's something that is on their life. There's some deposit from what was upon them that is still contained in that book. And as you're reading it, you're releasing that anointing into your life. Okay? And, um, and that's why, like I said, when you're watching, you know, this, this so-called entertainment made by people that are utterly perverted, have no fear of God, no reverence for the things of God, you're releasing that spirit into your home as well. I mean, fact is, some, some even of the adverts, you can't even see them. So I'm saying just be mindful of what you're releasing into your home because there's a spirit behind what, you know, has been created, whether good or bad. 
And okay, so it's one o'clock, so we'll just do one more question because I think it's good. Uh, any advice for newly married, newly saved Christians, meaning both at the same time? Well, the, uh, there's a lot of, I know there's a lot of new couples in the church. Anyone who just got recently married, maybe in the last two, year and a half, two years, hands up? Yeah? Yeah, so there's quite a few people. So any advice, maybe we'll just cover newly married uh, Christians. Just a couple um, of things and then we'll wrap up. The most important thing I would say for any marriage is Christ must be at the center of your marriage. Christ must be at the center of your life. And, and this is what the, where the church needs to come back to. Because I really believe, whether we like it or not, there's a lot of crazy things happening in the world. But you know what, I believe there's a sobriety to the hour, which, which many Christians haven't yet awoken to. But there's, there's, a, there's a, a soberness and an urgency to the anointing for this hour. Okay? And so part of this, in terms of our marriage, Christ must be at the center of our lives. He must be at the center of our marriage. Um, I think as well, can I just jump in there? I think, you know, um, hanging around and being around other Christians that are maybe have been Christians or married uh, longer too, I think is really good. Just because yeah. you can learn, like, like we learned so much from Frank and Sylvia. We're married for yeah. 60 something, I think they were married nearly 60 years, I mean, an incredible length of time. And they still, they just treated each other so gracefully and lovingly. It was beautiful to watch. So, you know, hang around people that, you know, that are further along the road for you in, in marriage as well. And you can ask them questions. Be a, be, a, be a disciple. Be willing to learn. Be willing to ask questions. Be humble enough to ask their advice. Because some yeah. things don't all, always come and, naturally, and, and, you know. And don't, so, don't be hanging out with unhappy people. You know, people that, that are, uh, and I'm not demonizing somebody who's divorced. Sometimes things happen that people didn't plan or didn't deserve you know sometimes people have been betrayed etc but you know people who don't have a good word to speak about marriage people christians that are living worldly lives you know they're they're wanting in church there's something completely else in in, in during the week you know in the club on a saturday and in church on a sunday I, i'm sorry you shouldn't be associated with people that are playing that game because the the hour is too late to be doing that. And this is why 1 Corinthians 3.11, it says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So keep Christ at the center of your marriage and your home, and it will stand the test of time. It will stand the tests and trials that will invariably come. Amen? And if they're newly saved, go to Bible school, get in a life group, serve on a team, and that will, that will really bring you further along yeah. the road.